Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Changing the Lost Vanity. Vanity is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game set in southern Florida during the year 1993. Father Katrina, played by Tillman, Raymond, played by Chris, Isabel, played by Andrew, Frank, played by Slavic, and Adam as the storyteller, as they uncover the mysteries of the true fae and forge new paths for themselves in a world of beauty and madness. Follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM for channel updates, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Where we left off last time, we were outside of the club. Uh, Raymond and the and the uh, the whole group actually went to go pick up Charlie, a member of the Autumn Court who was not heard from in in quite a while, and some of his some of his courtmates were a bit worried about him. So, upon retrieving him and uh, bringing him back to the nightclub opening, Isabel, I believe you've gone back into the club. Katrina, I believe you've started to make your way home after a somewhat unpleasant conversation with Raymond regarding um, these these children who may potentially be fetches and, and, and what might have to be done with them. Frank, I think you are still outside of the club with Charlie and Raymond right now. We're outside the club. Frank and Charlie, you guys are both sitting on the sidewalk. Isabel, you've just re-entered the club. And Raymond, uh, you are kind of uh, standing with Frank and Charlie right now. Katrina, you've you've started to walk home, and unless there's something else you wanted to do, I'm just gonna assume that you're you're on your way back to your place. Yeah, I was just wondering what time is it? Right now, it's about it's about eleven thirty at night. Okay, so it's plenty late, not just nine o'clock or something. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the so whole I think thing I'm gonna continue to walk home. Okay. Isabel, was there was there anything uh, you wanted to cover back in the club? I know you kind of had missed your chance to fully take advantage of the grand opening. Yeah, it's it's not anything specific that like I want to um, do. It's just that she is going to be, um, you know, making the best of what she has left of the night, just partying, dancing, drinking, and then going home. So, Isabel, you walk you walk right back into the club. And you're kind of just taking the surroundings in for a second time, and you you feel a tap on your shoulder. Okay, turn and look. So behind you, you see the bartender from earlier in the day, the the man who um yeah. had had tried to make advances towards you, but kind of chickened out last minute. You can see like his his top button is undone. Uh, he's not wearing the bow tie anymore, uh, and he has like a jacket in in his hand, almost kind of like indicating like you know he he just finished up his shift or whatever. It appears he's finally finally worked up the courage to try to talk to you, and he'll he'll clear his throat and before say, he can say anything. Before he can say anything, she'll grab his hand and pull him onto the dance floor. He nervously but readily just goes with you, and and you guys begin dancing. Because she she'll just see him smile and pull him out to the dance floor, like because she uh this is this is exactly what she was looking for is like you know just to party. He he willingly just goes right out onto the dance floor with you, and you guys just start dancing, and um, you're just really taking in the the energy of this cl- of this nightclub. The blue lights are are flashing in rhythm with the music, and it's kind of it's like distorting the way that you that you see him. He's 
he's kind of flashing in and out as just like this this blue shape and then you can see him for a second and then it's this blue shape and then you see him for a second as the the lights are just pulsing and the the bass is just you know rattling the floor and you, you can feel it in your stomach just the you know the loudness of this place in his eyes you can you can just see this this sense of just of just total desire and and he's just absolutely entranced by you and in in the back of your neck you you feel the the hair start to to raise up a little bit as you feel this just surge of of glamour just just enter you as his own desires are just are just kind of just flowing flowing through you in this dance so yeah you guys are just engaged yeah she's into it she's uh this is this is how she normally i don't don't know what the term is gets her gets glamour yeah um so uh she knows this is exactly what she was going for is trying to inspire this type of feeling in uh, people and uh yeah Absolutely. And the way that it happened is it just felt so, so naturally to you, um, as natural as just like eating or breathing. It just, it's just, um, totally, totally normal in that sense. Yeah. This is, I feel is a good time for us to learn, uh, how that even works. Like what, uh, what do I get out of this? Just like a dot of glamour or something? Yeah. So you, so you, you got a, a glamour point for being able to feed off his emotion of desire. Um, had you been a spring court courtier, desire being their favored emotion, that would have gained you two points. So anybody can can harvest any of the emotions. It's not yeah. it's not like one court is restricted to it. But yeah, you were you were able to just um, feed off of the energy of his his desire. And so, what happens with summer then? If, if spring. Oh. Anything else you wanted to say while we're while we're here? Uh, anything going on in your mind? Um. Well, she's um again this was a this was to try to escape from the idea that there is a, a, a there's a fae somewhere lurking st- stealing children, you know, doing as they do and it kind of makes her afraid and she doesn't want to think about that at all. And so this is like an escape from that. So she's probably going to take this guy home. All right, we will come right back to you. Katrina, you are walking down the street right now, trying to make it back to your apartment. I'm not sure if we discussed how far away you live. Yeah, I think we did cover it. Raymond picked me up, so it probably isn't walking distance. Right, okay, okay. I didn't want to go home with him. Yeah. Or have him drive me to my home, because I was, well, kind of taken aback by his stance and the thing. Absolutely. Uh, so um, I'm not even sure if uh, Katrina would walk home all the way, or if she would try to get maybe get a cab or something, right? Well, she can't afford that, really. Oh, true. Okay, okay. But I mean, is um, there public transport late at night? I would assume there is, but I I think most places don't have buses that that would run that late. We can just say that you're uh you're just walking, even though it's even though it's far away. Um, you and you and Raymond just were having too much of a disagreement for you to you to even consider going home with him. So you're kind of just walking frustrated right now. Is there anything going on your mind? Mm, this uh, whole Raymond thing isn't really letting me go. So mm, for the night, I really just want to get home. But um, in the following days, I want to contact Norma about Raymond and find out. Um, yeah, find out a little bit about him and tell her about this weird um, 
drastic stance of him on um, following kids around and trying to find the true fate that is uh, potentially trying to abduct them. Yeah, so you were definitely alarmed by the, the route that that conversation took, which understandable, absolutely. I'm going to leave you there for right now. I want to cut to uh, outside of the nightclub, Frank, Raymond, and Charlie. Frank, you are sitting on the sidewalk right now with Charlie. Charlie's actually not sitting. He's he's kicking a can around and, and smoking a cigarette. You guys have just kind of just chatted a little bit. Frank, I, I think I remember you asking charlie if raymond had been too mean to him and to just like let you know raymond i think you are you just got done talking with norma about like uh you, you're going to be taking charlie in and so i imagine right now you're kind of just standing and uh mulling over this situation here yeah he, raymond at the moment while like frank and charlie are sitting on the curb or whatever talking i just keep like looking into wherever like the darkness is at where like you know, outside of the light that's provided by this club or the street lamp or whatever. And I just keep like hypervigently looking to the darkness while they're talking, not really like paying attention to the small talk at this time because he feels like very on edge. You know what I mean? With everything that he's found out at the moment too, you know, and also in a way he's like a little slightly like even more on edge because he feels like that others should be, having the same concern he's having at the moment and they're not you know what i mean but i mean it's not to like where he's angry at them or anything but it just kind of even fa- makes him feel like he's a little bit more alone at the moment you know with with his anxiety that he's feeling so charlie is gonna kind of he's gonna stop kicking the can and kind of meander his way towards you raymond he's gonna look at you with with a somewhat mischievous look and, and ask so um you think i could go inside there I think our first priority is to get you to my house. Uh, maybe, maybe once we get you on the straight and narrow and back onto the right path. Right now is not the time for playing, Charlie. Right now is the time for concern. And uh, but my first concern is to get you taken care of. From what it sounds like, I'm gonna have an interesting next couple of days. That you've been down this road before. And he just sighs and he's like, "Fine," just kind of disappointed, but but not you know he's not really that torn up about it he's he's a kid he he probably didn't think he was actually going to get into a nightclub but you know worth a try right i mean he is here after all and immediately after that happens you're just going to see the the door of the club just swings open and you see melissa just run out and she's just like charlie charlie oh my god charlie and she just runs up to him and just just pulls him into her arms and it's just squeezing the life out of him and she's just like oh i I was worried about you. And he's just like, you know, kind of just like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like enough, you know? And uh, she's, she's like almost like elated to see him. You see, she kind of like has him in like the, like, you know, goofing off like headlock and is kind of just like noogieing him a little bit. And he's just like trying to push her away a little bit. Just like, knock it off. Like I'm fine. Raymond, when he sees his horse plane going on, like he's very like clearly and almost like not expecting his voice to be as loud as it's going to be. You know what I mean? It's going to be like, stop that shit. Like directly, <laughs> like aim his voice directly at her while she goes and starts horse playing around with, uh, with Charlie. And you see her, she just kind of, uh, she just kind of like gives you like this, excuse me, look just like a little bit surprised. Just like, she just says, the fuck is your problem? 
My problem is the fact that right now is not the time for horse playing. You you guys have done enough of that, haven't you recently? Isn't that the, why we're in the predicament we're in right now? Why I'm having to take this young man to my house and get him she, clean? She just looks at him and she's just like, Charlie, what's he talking about? And Charlie just says like, Melissa, don't worry about it, all right? He's Listen, he's one of my core mates, all right? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be staying with him for a while. And you can let the others know too. I'm I'm gonna be with him, and I'm okay. I'm in good hands. I haven't forgotten about you guys. I just I just need to get myself better again, and it's it's kind of tough when I'm when I'm around some of you. And I I hope that doesn't hurt to hear, but but it's the truth for right now. And I and I promise I'll explain it to you. And Melissa just has this just completely puzzled look on her face, just like Charlie, you're you're not making sense right now. What are you talking about? You you should be with us. Why, hey, Melissa? Just come and visit tomorrow. I'll let you visit him. All right. Tomorrow evening. Here's, I'll give you my phone number. Call me and you can spend time with Charlie, but it is imperative right now that we get back to my house. Okay. And she, she takes the, uh, she takes a business card from you and you can see her. She's, she's holding on to Charlie's wrist while she's, she's looking at the card, just kind of, kind of thinking this over, not, you know, kind of hesitant to let go of his arm. And she's just, after after a while, she just nods and she just lets go and she just says, "Okay, all right, you call and me, Charlie. You understand? Don't." And she just stops. And I'm gonna like not even like I'm just gonna gently like kind of like push the small of his back towards my car, like open my door, my passenger door to get him in there. Like if he does go in there or whatever, you know, I'm gonna close it. But I'm gonna like realize that I forgot I wanted to tell Frank something, and I'm gonna like kind of like speed walk over to Frank real quick. You know what I mean? Not like in a threatening manner, but just like I wanted to give him a copy of my business card before. And I like the idea of having business cards in. And it's pretty, pretty like, yeah, I should have some because I'm a plastic surgeon. But yeah, so I'm going to hand him one of my business cards. I'm like, Frank, hmm? if you happen What's to this? see, it, it's, uh, it has my telephone number on here. Um, oh. Matter of fact, I hand him another one. If you could give Isabel one. Okay. And just ask, tell her that it's imperative that I speak to her. Um, if tonight she finds the time to call me or tomorrow, uh, tell her it deals with our, our mutual problem, okay? Okay. And I just like kind of pat him on the shoulder and I'm like, it's people like you, Frank, who are going to help protect us in times like these. Hmm. And I just kind of like turn around and leave that like rattling around in his head as I get back into my Cadillac and drive back to my house. Okay, I want to leave this scene for one second. Um, Katrina, you are still walking down the street. Uh, you're still in the somewhat crowded nightlife area of Los Olas. And you walk by this hot dog stand, and you hear this this voice behind you just, Katrina? What the fuck? Katrina? When you turn around, you see it's your it's your dance partner, Irving, and he's just, he's um he's getting a hot dog at the vendor, and he's just, he throws his arms up in the air and he's like, "Oh, I thought you were busy tonight." Uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Ah, what the hell?" Uh, hey, let me at least buy you a hot dog. What are you doing around here? Okay, look, I lied. Sorry. It's fine. Mm. It's really okay. Mm. I. It's fine. What What are you walking around for? Do you, Do you need a ride uh, or something? Yeah, that would be great, actually. Okay, I, all right. I, I had one hell of a night. I don't know, man, how much I want to get into it, but... Hey, it's... it's... I've got some family members. Um, like, they have some drug problems. I don't know what to do. I really want to help them, but I don't know how. 
Okay. All right. Hey, say no more. Say no more. Let me, uh, let me just go. He burps a little bit. Uh, you see, he's like, he's just coming out, out from, uh, like right across from this, this hot dog stand. It's just like a, a bar, kind of just like a small sports bar. And he's like, let me just uh, tell my friends I'm leaving and, uh, I'll be right back out. That's my car over there. And he points to a, uh, just like a red sedan. And you just see him. He, he opens the door of the bar. And this is like one of those small sports bars that is, it's just like just the one room. And, you know, and there's just like one bar and maybe like two or three tables. Like if he, if he shouted into the bar, everybody would hear him. So he just, he just peeks the door open and he's just like, yo, I'm leaving. And he gives a wave and then he just shuts the door behind him and uh walks out to the car and he he burps again and you can you're kind of getting the vibe that maybe he's had a few but it's your only option for right now and he uh almost like almost like comically like gestures you to the car and like opens the um the passenger door for you in kind of like a very like courtly fashion are you drunk huh no come on i just had a few yeah, you're clearly drunk. You didn't Maybe pay for them even. That's all right. I got a tab there. They they know me there. It's, it, listen, it's fine. Oh, so you left your credit card for a few days. But okay, so, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> I really want to go home. But. He turns the car on and he kind of whips it around out of the uh, parking spot and starts... Um, Sorry, out of character really quick. Would he would he know where you live? Um, is your relationship that close or is it maybe more of just like a... a kind of like professional you know like you wouldn't really know where you where you lay your head and stuff like that i think he would know yeah just like the basics right probably been dancing for at least a year okay so i think he would probably know he just starts heading in the direction of your house you you see him he's, he's kind of like trying to mess with you a little bit like he's uh turning the wheel to make the car shake and acting like he's uh, losing control and stuff like that, just to just to try to get your goat a little bit. At one point, he cranks the radio up. Oh, yeah, I love this song, man. Alice in Chains. And, you know, he's... Oh, nice. <laughs> and before long, you guys make it to your house. He pulls up to the curb. He locks the doors, and then he unlocks it really quick, and he says, just kidding. All right. Hey, I'll see you later, Katrina. So during the uh, car ride, I give him... These uh, half smiles, like, yeah, I'm having fun, but I don't want to show it because I'm yeah, really exactly. not in the mood. Like, you can't help it, but he's he's kind of making you laugh and, and smile like a little bit because he's just he's just acting like an ass right now. Yeah, exactly. So um, I reach over to him, I um, give him a hug as best as I can uh, across um, across the car, and I'll say thank you, man. Uh, Sorry, I'll make it up to you. Um, I had uh, a really messy night. But, um... He just he just interrupts you. He's like, hey, Katrina, don't sweat it, all right? And he gives you like a salute, and you're kind of just like on your way. So you enter your uh, apartment. Uh, do, you, do you live in an apartment building? I think I said I have like a one-room apartment. A small um, entrance and kitchen area, probably. Then a dedicated bathroom. But really, other than that, it's just one room, desk, bed, maybe a balcony. But I think that's about it. So, yeah, you, you buzz yourself into the apartment. You go up the stairs to your floor and down the hall to your to your apartment and you open the door. Uh, everything's just as you left it. You sit back on the couch and kind of just reeling from, from today. 
And is there anything else you wanted to do before we kind of call it a night there? So uh, do I have, I don't even know if I have a computer, but I want to contact Norma somehow and write her either an email or a fax. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, you guys mm. know that Norma works at the, uh, like a public library in town. She's, she's a librarian. So today is Friday, so it's probably going to be closed tomorrow. However, you have contacted her at the library over the weekend in the past. Um, you guys know that occasionally she'll she'll like go there to just get some work done or whatever. Or you know she's even she's even um, opened it up to uh, people of the of the court who need need a place to um, research or do stuff like that. You have on one occasion gone through the back door of the library upon Norma's request to help her out with a task, just like something, just like a, you know, like a sorting or organizing or something like that. So you know that you could probably reach her at the library um, tomorrow, or at least try calling there. There's a good chance that she would pick up. But I want to call the library then and just leave a voice message. Right. Okay. Um, you can do that. Saying, um, hey, this is Katrina Lake. Um Norma has asked me to help her out again, but I don't even know um, what time it was. I think it was tomorrow. So just call me back. So I'm going to leave, leave you there for a sec. Let's go back to outside of the club for right now. Raymond, you and Charlie have already uh, boarded the car and left, right? Yes, sir. All right. Frank, you're still outside the club right now, just kind of sitting down on the sidewalk, relaxing. You're just kind of taking in the, the sounds and sights of the of the street right now. The door behind you opens again, and this time it's Emmanuel walking out. Hey, he man. Hey, Frank, my man, just the man I wanted to see. And he pops a squat right next to you on the sidewalk there, and he uh, puts his hand on your shoulder for a second and kind of gives you a shake. And he's just like, hey, would you uh, you be willing to take a ride with me? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, there's just one thing. Uh, I have this card for Isabel. All right, all right. Uh, hey, uh, why don't why don't you? Bar or something. Okay, sure. Hey, I'll be I'll be out here. All right, and he's uh he starts smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So yeah, I go there and tell someone at the bar or something to to give the card to Isabel that Raymond wants to talk to her or something. And uh, the bartender will will look at it and kind of like give it a puzzled look, and then you know you you obviously you point to Isabel and and uh, he understands and he's like okay, and he just he keeps it at the bar. Uh, you can see Isabel in the club. She's still she's dancing with a with a somewhat attractive blonde man, and they look like they're both having a a good time together. I don't want to bother her with <laughs> with this. So. She's been bothered enough. Yeah, Frank's a considerate guy. So yeah. I go outside, meet up with Manny. Manny's Manny's outside smoking a cigarette, and he takes a look at your uh, the backpack you have slung around your shoulder, and he's just like, "Hey, listen, sorry, bud, but uh, we're gonna have to make a pit stop and drop drop your dog off first. This is this is gonna be a long one. Are you okay with that?" And he kind of like nudges your shoulder a little bit. Sure, Manny. And he's like, "That's oh, no. my man," and he's kind of like play boxing you a little bit. It's like, oh, oh, oh. And, um, yeah, let's just you know play around <laughs> maybe a bit too rough and just, yeah and uh, he, he gets he gets pushed back a little bit and he's just like oh, all right big guy all right and so uh he's like he's like you drove here huh all right well you know i'll just drop you back off of your car after don't worry about it 
listen, I really need a right hand tonight. This is a, this is an important thing, but you know what? I kind of want to keep this on the hush, if you know what I mean. Uh, we'll let Isabel stay in there and do her thing. She seemed a little upset that she was, uh, you know, taken away from the opening of, of tonight. So, you know, we'll let her be. I don't think she likes Raymond. Hey, you know, Raymond's a little tough on the surface, but he's a good man. You know, I trust Raymond a lot. Uh, do you know Raymond well? I do. I do. He's a he's okay. a friend of this court. He's a friend of this court, Frank. Listen. Okay. If you take anything I say seriously, you'll you'll believe that he's he's a friend of us. I'll remember that. So yeah, you guys you guys make it over to to Emmanuel's car, and it's this sleek black BMW, very shiny, really nice interior and stuff like that. You guys both get in the car. He's driving, and you kind of squeeze into that passenger seat. The buckle barely can barely yeah. manage to, to get it underneath you, but but you do it. You guys start driving, and he's just kind of like palling around with you a little bit like he always does. And he's just like, um, this is going to be a little bit of a long drive for us, Frank, but, you know, I needed, my, I needed my, my best guy on this job. You know what I mean, buddy? And he kind of yeah, like... Yeah, I know. Uh, what's this going to be? What do you need? You know, just... Uh, Listen, I, I got to pay somebody a visit and, uh, you know, I need you to, to hang up back in case anything happens. You know, the usual. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, you guys make a stop at Frank's apartment building. Doesn't take too long to get there, about 10 minutes. And he just kind of pulls up outside and he's like, hey, I'll let you, uh, let you run up and, and, uh, and um, let Fluffy in, okay? I think she's had a long day. You know, it's not good to bring dogs into into loud places, buddy. They got they're sensitive, oh, you know. Yeah, uh, I'll leave her home next time. Hey, it's okay, buddy. So you know, uh, Frack runs up. You know, it's fluffy there, and she puts her in her sort of, I guess, bed or whatever. She probably <laughs> sleeps next to Frank anyway. It's just you know, good night, fluffy. And turns just... off the lights and go. <laughs> You lock up your apartment and stuff like that. Everything looks pretty normal. You can see Patricia and Joe's lights are off. They're they're old timers. You know they settle in pretty early. No sounds from their apartment. Um, some of the other apartments, you can hear some you know some arguments and stuff like that. It's not the not like a not like a really awesome place, but you know there's a lot worse. Like I said, so so yeah, you uh, you make your way back out and back into Emmanuel's car and Emmanuel. You know, he says, and we're off. And you guys start start driving to where you don't know yet. Okay, so I'm going to leave you guys for a second. And Andrew, you and this, this bartender have been um, having a blast. You guys have been dancing for, I want to say, maybe like an hour and a half, two hours now. And now you guys are back at the bar um, getting more drinks. This is just like a just an awesome night. You guys are both laughing hysterically. Yeah, you guys haven't even exchanged exchanged the most basic information, but he is just he's just having the time of his life, and um, pretty much he's just completely in your hands. You you know about these things, and you you know when you got somebody, and him you have to do whatever whatever it is you had planned. Like you you have him. Okay. Yeah. She. Um... I don't want to get too deep into this, but she's probably going to go yeah. home with him or something. You yeah. Know? Okay. So you guys, you guys get into your car and uh, head off to your place. Uh, I was hoping I didn't have to let him know where I lived. 
Right, his place, and we'll just leave it at that. All right, Raymond and Charlie. All right, so you guys are driving to the to the place. Um, what's going on in the car right now? Are you guys talking? Is it silence? I would say, like, I'm going to look at this, like, as an opportunity to not only – and mind you, there's no, like, diabolical evil reasoning behind this or whatever. But I think Raymond would view this as, A, as helping someone out getting clean and getting back on track who really needs it. And he's sincere in that, you know, like legitimately sincere. Uh, but there's a side of him too, though, that he sees an opportunity to like, kind of like mold this kid to have the same worldview that he has at the moment about the enemy, you know, the true fae, you know? And so he can see this as like, not only is this kid in need of help with his physical addiction, he's also needs help in maturing and realizing that the, rather than become a victim you know that he he takes a more at least more of, of a proactive belief system you know about what the enemy is and not giving them the satisfaction of seeing weakness and not becoming a drug addict or having having to hide in drugs and other things like that to be stronger you know what i mean and kind of like rebuild his his personality and it, and his um self-esteem and you know what i mean stuff like that so and so he would right. while, while talk while driving with him he would like and we could play it out, you know what I mean? But he would, you know, try to be reassuring in the fact that, hey, this next couple of days or week will be hard physically and mentally, but he's going to come out stronger. And the key is this time, instead of just doing this to make everyone else happy, he needs to do it for himself and realize that the work isn't just done, at least in Raymond's eyes, when he when he, when he, when he goes and, and kind of detoxes, there's still a lot of work to do and that Raymond will be there to help him get that inner strength that he needs, you know, to where he no longer will be a victim. Right. Right. And I think, I, I think I kind of saw that a little bit when you, when you told Melissa to back off, it's uh, it's pretty clear that, that the people that he hangs out with are, they're going to be, you know, they, they use drugs and, and they will have drugs around him and stuff like that. And it's just clearly, you know, and it's, it's tough because he's made this lifelong commitment to this group, but you can see like deep down, the kind of person that he could be. And like, I'm just going to say like you, you can see that and you feel that like you, you can kind of sense like, you know, that it's not over yet for him. You know, he still has a, a chance definitely to be something that's uh that's, that's pretty great. Well, Raymond even has a view that anyone like all, like every single friggin' changeling and, and, and um for Lauderdale, has a chance to become even strong. There's not any right. hope that he's given up. Like, you know, you're right. You're if, if, it, if Melissa wouldn't have been a druggie and would have just been like, you know what I mean? A changeling who didn't have those weaknesses and would have came up and been like, I'm happy to see you. He would have, would not have reacted that way, you know? And in a way he, he is, he does hope that um, Katrina wants to tackle that issue of Melissa and others. When Katrina brought that up in the first session, you know, and, and said that, she found it off-putting how like the spring court members just kind of accepted Melissa for being what she was, which in Raymond's eyes, not that he's militant about it, but he, 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 he thinks that's unacceptable. So he does hope that Isabel or excuse me, Katrina takes, um, takes that stance and like tries to help that girl out. You know, he's not like wishing them harm, but he does know that this moment that Melissa chick is, is would, 
is not what is needed right now, especially when she started horse playing at first when he was empathetic, when she like was happy to see him. But the moment she started like putting, you know, trying to like give him noogies and stuff like that, like he knew like, wait, this is a, she's trying to make a welcoming trap to pull him back into where he was before, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you guys arrive at the house and uh, you pull into your driveway and, and turn the keys on the ignition, shut the headlights off. And you guys are both kind of just sitting. There's like a moment of silence. And Charlie just says, hey, I I want to thank you again, really. I, I know I already said it, but, like, really, thank you. I don't know if you'll be sharing those same sentiments tomorrow, but, but I, it's sincerely appreciated, and you're welcome. Uh, let's get you let's get you inside. Tomorrow's going to be tough. Your body's going to be going through detox. and, and- You go to open the door to, uh, to like, you know, kind of – start to make your way out and he puts his hand on his on your shoulder to kind of stop you and he just says like ray i need you to promise me something what's that charlie promise me you won't let me leave before this is done because i i'm pretty sure i'm probably gonna end up trying i'm with it now but look i've done this before you know ugly tim down at the gold star motel he, he tried to he tried to uh to get me clean the first time you know and and, and it worked for a little bit but man be damned if that guy didn't have to tie me down to keep me from trying to fucking escape. And I just want to apologize now because I, I'm, I know things are going to get pretty ugly with this, but I just want you to, and uh, before you say anything, you know, and he knows that the way that promises work with changelings is very different than the way that, uh, you know, a mundane person like you or me could just uh, say that we promise something when promises are made through something called pledges. The weird ties itself into it. The weird becomes a part of that like verbal transaction. And the person who stays true to that oath gains a benefit. Whereas if a person fails to commit to what they've pledged to do, they, they suffer a setback. And that's just like one of the, I don't know, just one of the things about like changeling is just like pledges. You make deals with people and and so mechanically the way that it works, it's kind of fucking confusing. Like I was trying to look at this today. There's basically this chart for for making a pledge. So every pledge has the task. That's what you are you are going to do. In this situation, your task is going to be not letting Charlie leave until this is done. There's a boon, which is what you're going to get if you like uphold this pledge. There's a sanction, which is like the punishment for not following through on this pledge. And there's the duration, which is the length that the pledge lasts. So each of these things has like a plus or minus uh, modifier. And when you put them together, it has to come out to zero for it to be a, like a valid pledge or like a balanced fair pledge. In this case, I would say that the task would be either alliance or forbiddance. I want to say forbiddance, but I probably have to read what that actually means. The person swearing the oath are forbidden from doing a certain thing. This oath would be that you are forbidden from letting Charlie leave for the duration of one week. So let's see. That's going to be minus one plus one. So that, that part cancels. The boon would be, I want to say, a favor. So what blessing would... There's blessing, adroitness, and favor. Blessing would be like you would get a bonus for whatever you were going to be doing as part of this pledge. So if it was like a strength-based thing, you would get like a bonus to your strength score or whatever. So favor. Charlie will owe you a favor if uh, if you're able to follow through with this. 
And then the, the sanction, which is uh, what's going to happen if shit goes south for this, is a curse. So you will have like a sense of bad luck. And what it actually means, a minus one curse, is um, you can't roll tens again for whatever the duration is. So that's how they're they're trying to say like it's bad luck. So so basically it's going to be so you're making the deal with him that you are going to forbid him from pretty much escaping to do what he's going to try to do for one week. And if you follow through with this, he's going to owe you a favor, and if you don't, you are going to be cursed for the duration of of what this pledge was. I mean, so the way that it works is they usually think of like a very formal way to kind of just like, you know, swear like this oath to each other. But I can't really think of anything clever. I have an idea. Okay. I was actually thinking about a scene that I wanted to do like before you explain pledges that I was going to yeah. try to jump into. But I could. I was just thinking because like when I realized that like for especially someone that young to have like a moment of like um, just, just clear headedness to be able to sit there and realize that this, this what their task is going to be is going to be very hard. I uh, I kind of like want to talk to him while sitting on the porch of of my little like beach house there. You know what I mean? While it's looking out because I find that my character oftentimes at night he'll sit out there with like a book. You know what I mean? And like the porch light on, he'll just look at the ocean. Or sometimes he'll just sit there with all the lights off and just have like a drink and look out at the ocean. And you know he doesn't watch TV and he just kind of sits there and just contemplates about everything. So. I think it would be like for him to invite Charlie to sit on this porch with him where oftentimes he's alone with his thoughts would kind of be welcoming in. And, I, and then we could discuss this pledge. Charlie, before we, we start this, I'm, I want to have a talk with you, but I'd much rather not do it in this car here. And um, we could do it on my patio. Do you want something to drink? Do you need a water or something? Uh, Yeah, I could go for one. All right. Just have a seat and I'll, I'll come back out. I go get him a glass of water and I like get myself like a glass of scotch or whatever. You know what I mean? Just, and I kind of like hand him that I go out onto the patio and I picture like this patio, you know, like this beach house isn't like a nice beach house. It's probably like was built in the fifties. You know what I mean? It's only like a two bedroom and, or excuse me, one bedroom or, you know, something like that. And probably the porch is probably hasn't been painted, but it has like a nice view of like the beach and like the ocean or whatever. And I probably have like a couple like of a rocking couple rocking chairs out there or something like that and i just kind of like ham the glass while i go sit in the other rocking chair with my glass you probably wonder charlie why i kind of hide what you saw earlier from me mm, yeah and i'm sure there's others who wonder and i've told some people this and i suppose i'll tell you now is that the reason that i like to hide that demeanor of ours is because i feel it gives the people who kidnapped us a victory and the fact that we have to acknowledge that we're fundamentally changed because of the crimes they committed against us. You see, he's um he's not looking at you. He's kind of just like looking ahead and you can see he's like nodding. He's he's thinking yeah. about what you're saying. Yeah. And sometimes and I'm looking at the ocean too, I sit out here and I have to juggle with these emotions to where I feel like it's a punishment for things that I've done in my past, what happened to me. You you were young when you were taken, and that's not to take away from the severity of what happened to you or say that my kidnapping or my imprisonment was any different than yours. But decisions I made before I was kidnapped have ramifications I feel like I'm still living with. I have a daughter, and I don't know where she is right now. And when I was taken, she was the one thing that kept me grounded. And decisions I made before I was kidnapped have now made it to where she's lost in the sea of people. And Well, can't you find her? 
I'm not sure if I want her to see me or I'm not sure if me coming back into her life would, if she's doing better or she's doing good, I don't know what kind of impact that will have. But don't you worry about what if she's doing worse? What if she's, what if she's like me or Melissa right now? Come on. You can't say that as it never crossed your mind. But it has crossed my mind. I'm going to be frank with you. I'm a coward in that way because part of me chooses to ignore it. Part of me chooses to help Norma out, to help others out so I can forget. But I sit here every night, Charlie, and I have a drink and I look out at this ocean and I'm just reminded constantly of the consequences of my actions. But this ocean is still comforting to me because it's real, at least. Unlike the imprisonment that I had. I care about you, Charlie. And I care about every single one of us who have came back from being kidnapped. And I realize and I see in your eyes and I hear in your voice that you really want this time to be the one time to change. And I promise you that I will. And I'm sincere in that. But also not only that, I'm going to make you stronger than you were before. And maybe I can learn some things from you and I can become stronger in the end once this is all done. But Charlie, when thoughts of you leaving come through your head, you're going to have to realize that there's more at stake than you right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? This isn't like the last time that you tried this. But the only ramifications for, of your choice of leaving was your own personal wellness. Now others are involved, Charlie, because one of them are back here. One of those things that took us, that took you and took your friends, and you are the one key to defeating it. So when those thoughts come into your head of leaving and giving up on getting clean, remember that there is more at stake than you right now. There are others who depend on you. Norma depends on you. I depend on you. Those people you met last night depend on you. And the ones who have yet to be kidnapped and be taken, they depend on you too. Do you understand what I'm saying, Charlie? And he's just you just see him, he's just trying to trying to grasp all this and he just he just silently nods. So we're gonna go in here tonight, Charlie. I'm gonna fold out my couch and I'm gonna sleep in my recliner. And we're gonna do this for the next week. I'm gonna be here through every step of the way with you. But remember that time. Remember that moment where you think you can get one over on me and you can sneak away. Remember, if you make that decision, that there are others who are going to be harmed because of that. And remember that, okay? And he nods. Um, so, out of character really quick. Are you guys formalizing that in pledge form, or is this just going to be just like a verbal? Well, this is pledge form. Yeah, yeah. This is I'm pledge form. So, yeah. upon, you know, when you fully get the message across of just like, and you're going to be staying with me, and, you know, if you try to, you can just feel the, the weird in the air just kind of just grasp onto the words and it's almost like a, like a bell ringing or like a clicking or just like this weird sensation that you have. And it just kind of, you know, you can just feel the weird, just morphing these words into something that's, that's more, you know, something that is, uh, can almost be felt. It's like a, like a presence. And then, you know, both of you know that this is real. This is, this is in the weird hands now. And, this, this has to be up, upheld. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well... We have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. 
the group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. But why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the duets tag to find out more. like World of Darkness? Do you want to introduce your friends to it? But there's one problem. Nobody reads books anymore. This presents you with a problem, doesn't it? You want to get your friends into these awesome games, but they don't have the time or wherewithal to read any of them. Well, that's where Brett the Hitman comes in. 
Brett the Hitman, your one-stop shop on YouTube for all things related to World of Darkness. Currently in the middle of his Werewolf the Apocalypse series, which is showing tremendous growth. It's going to the moon! That's right, watch Brett the Hitman and you will get style! Flair! Humor! <laughs> and of course, some dank meme magic. Fucking normies! <laughs> Brett the Hitman on YouTube at youtube.com slash I love other people's misery. So watch now! If only for the dank memes. Tune in today! Hi guys, I wanted to let you know about my YouTube channel, the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live action vampire game called New England Nightmares, which uses the new Finite Studio rules for Mind's Eye Theatre. The Chronicle's set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game. So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired Ventru Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the City of London, and on to his arrival on the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. So I put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment.